Hello, welcome to this week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. My podcast uh, co-host and moderator is Matthew, and you can find him on Twitter at HokiSmash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces our guest for the evening. Jeff, give me just a moment, okay? Je- get, uh, I want to. I want you to talk about some some news uh, regarding Georgia Tech before we. But, but so I can talk to so I can talk to Dan. So if you want to give me just a moment, uh, I'm going to give you the floor for just a moment, okay? Okay, sounds good. Um, so today, if you're a Georgia Tech fan, uh, like like myself, it's a day of celebration. Uh, it's one of the best days uh, since Paul Johnson was the head coach of Georgia Tech. Uh, by all indications, um, all that said to be made is the official announcement tomorrow. But Jeff Collins' tenure is finally, thankfully, couldn't happen soon enough, um, is dismissed as the Georgia Tech head football coach. Uh, I think this was very welcome news, I think, by every single Georgia Tech fan uh, out there. Um, Don't feel sorry for Jeff Collins. He's got a huge $10 million buyout. Um, He's going to be just fine. He's going to do an excellent job as a recruiting coordinator um, at at some Power 5 school, but a head coach he was not. Um, And it evidenced by what we saw this past weekend, a winnable game at UCF where uh, between the 20s, they didn't actually, uh, Georgia Tech didn't actually play that bad, but uh, they were again undone by uh, undisciplined play, fundamental mistakes, um, horrific special teams with two missed field goals, another blocked punt returned for a touchdown, the fourth blocked punt of this season, only four games in. Uh, There are teams that don't have four punts blocked in a decade, uh, much less in four games. So very welcome news um, in Atlanta. Uh, the other half part of this story is that uh, the AD Todd Stansberry could also be uh, in trouble as well. And he may be, be without a job tomorrow. That's something that's not quite as clear as, as uh, Jeff Collins. And unfortunately for Stansberry, who hasn't, you know, he hasn't made, you know, all bad decisions or anything. Uh, I see Dan, uh, just so we can get started with our podcast in a moment. But with with Stansberry, uh, he's an interesting case because in general, he's been pretty good at fundraising. Uh, He's turned the Olympic sports, especially on the women's side, into a point of pride at Georgia Tech. They have nationally ranked volleyball teams. the hire of Nell Fortner with the women's basketball team has resulted in uh, back-to-back NCAA appearances and a sweet 16. Uh, but unfortunately you are judged by your most important decision. And he hired Jeff Collins, which uh, in football to most universities, just about every single one football is the lifeblood of your athletic department. And 
that was a disastrous hire. Uh, so we'll just have to see if Stansberry survives. I think he may be given a a, a pass on this one and be on very thin ice, but we'll just have to see. And I would not be shocked uh, if he is also let go. Um, all right, Matthew, I see Dan on, and you can go ahead and introduce our guest, and we can start when you're ready. Outstanding. So this week we have a return guest on the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the country. This is Matthew. I'm your moderator. You can follow me on Twitter at at Hokiesmash underscore ASD. Jeff Fan, the co-host, is here as usual. His his uh, Twitter account is at Talking ACC Sports on Twitter, and he's the co-host. Our site Twitter account is at All Sports D ACC. And as I said, we have a great return guest tonight. His name is Dan Caro. He's the owner and operator of TreadmillHorse.com. He's been a longtime friend of All Sports Discussion and the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast, the longest-running independent ACC podcast on the in the United States. You can follow Dan on Twitter at, at @TreadmillHorse. Dan, welcome back. We are happy to have you back. And before we have you plug yourself and tell us about yourself, I have a quick quick question for you. Are you ready? Go for it, Matthew. Did you know that Mike London was a detective? <laughs> that's that's the long time running joke here at uh, All Sports Discussion. So yes, that's one that I'm aware of and one that I've heard, I think maybe more than once. Okay. <laughs> Very good, sir. Dan, tell us about yourself, friend. The floor is yours. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, once again, for having me back on the podcast. I always love coming on. You guys always have some great insight on the ACC, so it's always good to talk ACC with you guys. Um, yeah, so I'm a 2004 graduate of Virginia Tech um, at Treadmill Horse on Twitter. I also have a blog on treadmillhorse.com. Um, I've been following Virginia Tech football and basketball since 2001. I've been running the Treadmill Horse Twitter account since 2009, running the blog since 2013. Uh, basically, it's it's my outlet to get my thoughts on Virginia Tech football and basketball. Uh, the last couple of years for Virginia Tech football have been kind of rough, but basketball is getting better. So I think we take the good with the bad. Uh, and Hokie Twitter is always always exciting. There's always something going on, so it's it's always a very interesting community to be a part of. Well said. Well said. So. Let's get to week four, ACC football week four. Who is your most disappointing ACC football team of week four, and who is your most impressive team in week four? So most disappointing. Um, so, like, Virginia Tech has made a very good case for most disappointing on Thursday night, but I'm actually going to give it to Miami, uh, basically because they got throttled to Middle Tennessee State, uh, a group of five team. Uh, very unexpected. I think most people had Miami winning that game. Um, I'm not exactly sure the line on that game, but I'd be shocked if they weren't double-digit favorites. Uh, they got beat at home. Uh, Van Dyke got benched in it. And, like, the biggest thing to me is that AC the ACC's got a lack of ranked teams. Like, going into this week, they had five ranked teams. Having one of them lose, lose to a group of five team. Um <laughs> Having an unexpected loss like that is bad, and it's really disappointing for the conference, um, especially at a time of the year where like the ACC needs as many ranked teams as they can get, and having one of those lose to 
an unranked group of five team at home. That that was a bad way, uh, a bad and disappointing loss for the ACC. And I think it's just uh, a, the I think the Cristobal era is going to be fine, um, but I think he's off to a rocky start, especially with a loss like that. I don't think anyone expected that one. Um, in terms of most impressive, I'm, I was really impressed with Clemson taking care of business against Wake. Uh, Wake's a really good team. Like I think that like they they always show up to play. They always play really disciplined football. Um, it was good to see DJ get back on track with five touchdowns. Good to see Clemson's offense get back on track. Um, and the ACC, like with Miami dropping out of the rankings, I think the ACC needs Clemson to be Clemson um, and getting a big uh, win on the road against a ranked opponent. Uh, was was really good and really impressive to see from them. Well said. One thing I'll add there, Dan, too, is that I, I don't think that this Middle Tennessee State team changed that much from last year to this year when Virginia Tech had arguably one of its worst teams probably in several years, right, I, I would argue, that beat Middle Middle Tennessee State last year. I mean, is that is that an accurate assessment, Dan? I would say for the past few years, especially um, with the longevity of the coaching staff at Middle Tennessee, you you know what you're getting from year to year from them, and like they they're not they're not exactly what I would call a football powerhouse. Um, so yeah, I think it was disappointing, and I, I just looked up the line on that game. Like Miami was twenty five and a half point favorites in that game, so that's. That's not one that I don't think anyone expected them to drop. Definitely, definitely. Jeff, friend, you're up. All right, thank you, Matthew. Um, Dan, which ACC football game are you looking forward to the most in week five? So for me, it's that Clemson-NC State game, and mostly because it's the one big opportunity that NC State has um, to make a really big – uh, statement on the national stage like after that they've got a couple of other ranked teams coming up they got florida state they've got wake forest which are both i think on the on the edge of being ranked um, but if nc state really wants to get into the discussion for the college football playoff they've got to make a statement at clemson i mean it's a really tough game clemson looked really good against wake forest um, but really it's the only opportunity for nc state to move the needle uh, the rest of the year. Like if, if they lose this game, I mean, NC State might go on to have a really good season and they probably will, but I don't think that they'll be able to get into that college football playoff discussion. However, if they do beat Clemson on the road and then they're able to keep winning and run the table, I think that they absolutely have a chance to get into that discussion. So if I, I know a lot of people uh, picked NC State as like a, a dark horse for that college football playoff, if they can show up, look good, get a win in this game, I think that I think it's it can be a springboard to the rest of their season. So I think it's it's a big opportunity for them, and for Clemson, it's to solidify like their their stance as a top five team. Like as a top five team, you got to take care of business at home, and if they do, again, they're they're probably on the fast track once again to get into that college football playoff discussion. All right. Um... Which which ACC team could be on upset alert in week five if they're 
are looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise just sleepwalking on the field? I mean, there there aren't a ton of options this week in terms of like upset alert, but the one that I would be concerned about, um, like as the favorite, is is North Carolina against Virginia Tech. Um, the reason being is that North Carolina defense has been bad all year, um, and we we see this happen each and every week when you've got teams that have a bad defense and a really good offense. If that offense starts getting into trouble, if they start turning the ball over. Um, like I, there, there could be a hurricane coming up, uh, coming up the coast next Saturday, all those things could happen. And like, that could lead to an upset. So I would put, uh, UNC on upset alert. They, they had that big game against Notre Dame. Um, like Virginia tech doesn't exactly look like world beaters this year. Like I could see, uh, the North Carolina offense sleepwalking a little in that game. And if they do, Virginia tech has a good enough defense. Um, to make it a game. You know, I'm not saying Virginia Tech's going to win, but if there was a team that I would, I would put on alert to not sleepwalk next in next week's game, it'd be North Carolina. All right. Um, Dan, let's uh, step out of the ACC for a bit here. Which national FBS games are you looking forward to the most in week five? And uh, we're wide open with this question. And then give us the winner of of that game. And if there's a couple that catch your eye, um, you know, talk about that as well. Yeah, there's two that I'm really looking at. That Michigan-Iowa game looks interesting to me. Um, a lot, Iowa's had trouble scoring touchdowns, kind of like Virginia Tech has this year. But I think if Iowa can string together a couple drives and put some points on the board, I think that they can give Michigan trouble. Um, and that's one that I could see Iowa winning. I'm not saying, like, I don't know that I would pick Iowa, but I could definitely see a po- uh, an Iowa win possible in that game. So that's one to circle on your calendars and keep an eye on. Also, that Alabama-Arkansas game. Um, so a- Alabama's always good, and you know that they're always going to be, be really strong week to week. Uh, but Arkansas has looked good this year, so – Uh, Going on the road, going to Fayetteville, you you don't know what could happen there. Um, So that's one that could give Alabama some trouble. And, like, once again, like, I think Alabama is, like, big favorites. I think as of this point, they're 16-point favorites. So it's not like uh, they're not heavily favored in that game. But I do think Arkansas could give them some trouble. All right. Sounds good, Dan. Um, uh, Dan, this this past week, uh, the ACC made an uh, announcement, uh, and it is something that had been rumored for for several months. Uh, the ACC headquarters is moving from from Greensboro, North Carolina, to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, what what are your thoughts on that move? Is this is this something that you think is is significant, or just you know just just a move to make a move? I think all the other conferences are headquartered in major media markets. The ACC is the only one that I'm aware of, of the Power Five, um, that's in a pretty small city of of Greensboro. So I think it's a good move to get into, I don't know if I would call Charlotte a major media market, but a much bigger media market. I think that's important. Um, One thing that I really like about it is having a headquarters that sits in the middle of ACC country which I think Charlotte is much more central than Greensboro, even if it only is like a 90-minute drive away. Um, And I think it's good just to get 
the ACC headquarters out of the triangle area. You know, like I just think that there's just been too much focus on like Duke, North Carolina, NC State, like that that is the ACC. I think the ACC needs to broaden their horizons and think more about the schools that are outside of that immediate area, like about schools up and down the coast. So I think moving moving to Charlotte's good. And my hope is with the move to Charlotte, they can start focusing in on improving that uh, media, that ACC media deal, because I think that's a real anchor on the conference at this point. Um, even to the point that I was talking to a West Virginia fan for a Q&A last week, and I asked him, as a West Virginia fan, would, would he like to see West Virginia move to the ACC? And he said no, simply because he feels like West Virginia would have more options, like even within the Big 12 for uh, a better TV deal than they would joining the ACC uh, because of the ACC schools being locked into random rights deals through, I think, 2036. So basically, he sees the ACC's media deal is stuck. So even in the Big 12 or moving to another conference, he sees them having a higher ceiling than the ACC. So I think that speaks for itself. And that's that's a major problem that the uh, ACC is going to have to figure out here in the coming years. All right. That, that's, that's an interesting take from a West uh, Virginia fan from the Big 12 after, you know, they lost their two biggest brands and the ACC network is uh, projected to make, um, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to $15 million next year. Uh, so an interesting perspective from that. No, but no doubt the, the base media deal is an issue uh, and there's no question about that that the ACC definitely has to you know try to get that renegotiated somehow to improve the base media deal um, but still kind of interesting take from from a from a Big 12 member after they lost their two biggest brands um, all right I know Matthew has another point that uh, another question that he wants to ask you Dan Dan uh I'll be interested to ask you this, Dan. Do you think Florida State can handle success against Wake Forest uh, this upcoming week? <laughs> That's a great question, Matthew. Like, I've been trying to figure out Florida State now for years, and I, I've had, like, they're probably the team that I, I understand the least. Uh, as in, like, nothing would surprise me from that team if they, like – if they take care of business against Wake Forest this week, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And also if they got blown out at home, that wouldn't surprise me at all either. Um, so I'm not sure what to think. I think Norvell's doing a good job. I actually see them like <clears throat> developing an identity this year and they're, they're getting that team to play focused and hard week in and week out. So I think that's good. So I think Florida state's on the right track. Um, I don't know that they're ready to beat a team like Wake Forest. I think Wake Forest, like, may be able to go in there on the road and get that win. Um, but I'm seeing good things come out of Florida State. I think they're, I think that program's headed in the right direction, for sure. One other follow-up. Uh, and this is probably the uh, – <laughs> I mean, it seems to me like – Virginia Tech with Justin Puente got Dan Hawkins, and it seems like Florida State with Mike Norvell kind of got the Chris Peterson out of the deal. Is that is that a fair statement? I think it's a fair statement. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, when Norvell took that job, I saw him as another Justin Fuente. But I think, I don't know if it's recruiting or the resources of Florida State, but it's gotten much better for Norvell than it than it has than it did for Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. I think there's probably a lot of factors there. I think that Florida State like has a higher ceiling than Virginia Tech. It's also a job that's easier to step in to keep recruiting at a high level and basically take some time to install install your system, which seems to be what's going on there. Let's just see if it continues, you know, like I'm not sure that they're going to get get through this weekend unscathed. If they do, I think Florida State's get, it's on their way to a really good season. Well said, well said. Okay, it's open microphone time. What do you got for us, Dan? Yeah, so from my end, like I've got a couple things. So we talked a little bit about that ACC media deal. I just want to reinforce like what a like I think that the the future of the conference relies on getting that media deal done. Um like if if the ACC isn't able to figure out a way um, to get that improved in some way or another, I think we're seeing like the end of the conference. I think you're going to see um, the big brand schools in the ACC. I think like they'll find a way out of their grant of rights deal and they'll defect. And then who knows what happens with the schools that remain. Um, but I do think that the ACC has got to think outside the box here and basically find some ways to, improve that deal to get it on par not like i'm not saying it's going to be the same as the big 10 and the sec because it's very likely not going to be but it's got to be in that same ballpark and right now it's not so i think they need to be looking at like other streaming partners other ways to enhance their their media deal that they're not currently looking at um because having a tv deal that's half of what the big 10 and sec are getting paid that's that's just not going to cut it over the long term so the longer this goes on without getting that resolved, I think the ACC is just digging themselves into a hole and digging their the teams in the conference into a hole too. And one last quick thought for me to, uh, during open mic time is like, I usually come on your podcast and complain a lot about the officiating in the ACC. And I know it's only been four weeks, but so far what I've seen has been pretty good. It's been much better than the last couple seasons. So I'm not sure what they did at the officiating office or if they spend more time with their refs, but I actually think that the refs are doing a, a pretty good job this year. So I wanted to call that out on the podcast too. Well said, Dan. Well said, Dan. Jeff, you're up. Yeah, it's a kind of piggyback on what Dan said, you know, with, with that ACC media rights deal. We know that that they that has to be looked at again it has to be improved but you know if the acc wants to go to espn and say hey we're a valuable property um one of the things they have to do is have more weekends like what is coming up in the acc um and and because there's like five i think right now there's five ranked acc teams you know miami loses but then comes florida state ranked into the polls and syracuse ranked into the polls and you've got clemson and nc state playing a primetime abc national tv game the top game in the country um this upcoming weekend espn game day is going to clemson um you know the conference is going to have you know, it's not just like Clemson playing Georgia. This is this is a conference matchup, um, and and it doesn't always have to be a Clemson and Florida State playing. You know, we've seen NC State rise up into the top ten. You know, they beat a really good Texas Tech team uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
that I don't think got nearly enough credit. We saw Texas Tech beat Texas this weekend. So there's one end of it. But then on the other end, you know, you've got the um, you know, the appetizer to that game with Wake Forest playing Florida State, undefeated Florida State team, you know, that's that's um, beaten LSU, uh, Wake Forest, you know, who's they've taken care of business uh, this season. I, I know, you know, they don't get as much credit for beating an SAT team when it's Vanderbilt, but, you know, they went to Vanderbilt and took care of business and then they showed their chops taking Clemson to overtime, you know, and that's another ABC national TV game. So the, the more of these kind of matchups, the ACC can, can put together over the next two or three years. Cause you know, like D- Dan said, I don't think it's an absolute certainty that you're going to make it to the end of the grant of rights and, and most likely not, but I don't think anyone's going to break it. And we've said it on the podcast, no one's going to, break it in the next five years so these next two or three years the acc has to show its value um you know as a as a football conference and this weekend is one of those weekends where the acc is playing the best games in the country i know there's a an old miss kentucky game out there and and um you know, but that doesn't that doesn't really catch the the nation's attention and alabama's going to arkansas but that arkansas you know teams coming off a loss uh, to Texas A&M. Um, but, you know, the ACC is, is front and center this this weekend with game day, and they're going to be talking about ACC and the matchups, uh, you know, all during the pregame. So the, the ACC needs to continue to have their best teams do well, create more matchups like this during the course of the season, you know, win some of those early non-conference games, you know, like Florida State, beating LSU to set up games later in the year that, that are big and that, you know, people around the country will be interested in. So, uh, no, not really a rant today, but just a, Hey, this is going to be a big weekend for ACC football. And, and it's something that we need to, to keep on seeing, um, you know, not just for the strength of the conference, but, you know, when the ACC, you know, tries to tell, Hey, ESPN, you want a viable ACC? We'll keep on giving you top 10 matchups that, you know, can be on ABC and top 25 matchups at 3.30 like we have this weekend. So big weekend for ACC football front and center nationally. Definitely, definitely. I'm going to use my open microphone to ask both of you a question. After next week, this is my my, my interpretation. I'm I, I'm I'm going to be like Jeff here. I'm not going to go. I'm not going out on a limb. <laughs> Syracuse is going to be five and zero after next weekend. We're sure of that, right, Jeff? So, our question yes. then, <laughs> our our question then is, what's the ceiling today, Dan? For the number of wins for Syracuse, you can take a look at the schedule and tell me what you where you think that where you think where you think there's where you think their lowest victory total is and where you think their highest victory total and the floor and the ceiling. That's what I'm trying to say. There you go. The so <laughs> so bear with me. I think their floor is like five wins. I think that they might just beat Wagner and they like <laughs> they might not get another win for the rest of the seasons. I think very likely. They'll get to six wins and get to a bowl game because Boston College isn't very good. So I can I can see them getting that win at the end of the season. Other than that, they've got a really rough stretch after that Wagner game. They've got NC State, Clemson, 
Notre Dame, Pitt, Florida State, and Wake Forest <laughs> in those next six weeks. That's that's a brutal stretch based on how all those teams are playing right now. Um, and honestly, I don't I wouldn't expect them to be favored in any of those games. Um, they might be favored against Florida State at home, maybe. But other than that, that's that's just a brutal stretch. So yeah, like and so if and if you're asking for the ceiling, I could see them maybe winning two of the like two more games after Wagner. So I guess seven wins. I don't know. I can't, I can't see eight wins. So I'm gonna say the ceiling seven and the floor is five. But yeah, it's it's a brutal stretch after Wagner for sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm still staying with six. I went with six at the very beginning, beginning of the season. I still think they can get six. I think they will. I think they will be in a bowl. I'll say that today. I'm sure. I'm still. I'm as sure of that today as I was week, weeks ago. And I, and I'm you know. And I, I'll tell you, Dan. And you know this as well as I do, Dan. Weird stuff happens in Syracuse, no matter who's playing there. Would you agree with that? Weird stuff can happen there. <laughs> I, I know that for certain just because of the amount of times the Virginia Tech's gone up into the Carrier Dome or whatever it's called now. We, we call it the Jiffy Pop Dome. <laughs> like, yeah, weird stuff happens up there. I don't know. Like, I mean, there's a lot like the, the upcoming home games, like NC State could stub their toe there. Notre Dame could stub their toe there. Florida State could stub their toe there. I mean, weird things happen there. So, so you never know. And this conference is definitely leading the world in weird things happening. So you, you never know what could happen week to week here. I, I, I think that's, I think that's, I think it's well said because I, I, I've seen, I've seen weird, weird things happen there when I least expected it. And I've seen them win games that I haven't expected them to win and you know, once you start winning five games in a row, you start getting really freaking confident, right? You know that you feel like you can take on the world, Jeff. I want to hear what you have to say here, man. But you got to take yourself up, move first, Jeff. Yeah, I agree with both of both of you. Um, you know, Syracuse is is probably about to enter the most difficult stretch that any ACC team is going to play for the next month. I mean, just, just look at this. This is an incredible, um, difficult, incredibly difficult stretch. They're about to enter. They, they next week after the Wagner game or two weeks, um, they host NC state. Then they go on the road at Clemson host Notre Dame at Pittsburgh host Florida state, and then go on the road at wake forest before finishing the season at Boston college. That's five ranked teams um, after uh, the Wagner game. And then we know Notre Dame, they're currently unranked, but you know that was a team ranked in the, the top 10 uh, just a couple weeks ago. Um, I do think that they have, a, I think they have a chance to get to, to eight. Um, I don't think that they will do it, but it would not completely uh, shock me because they get a couple of these games at home and like you said, Matthew, you know, weird things can happen in the Carrier Dome. I mean, if they're 5-0, and um, you know, ho hosting NC State the week after, I mean, they're going to be ranked probably around 20th, and that's going to be one of the biggest games that the Carrier Dome has had in weeks. And, and that goes back to what we've been talking about. The ACC needs, you know, ranked matchups every week with national implications. 
I mean, and then if they knock off NC State, you got this monster game with Clemson the week after. Um, you know, I think I think it's conceivable that they could knock off NC State or, you know, a Notre Dame at home, you know, when everything just comes um, you know, everything works in their favor that day. I mean, they've got an opportunistic defense, um, a great running back with Tucker, a good quarterback and in, in, in Schrader. Um, they beat Virginia this past weekend and played terrible. Um, so, I mean, I think their best football can can have them in a couple of these games. Um, you know, I'm not sure they can handle Pitt on the road, but then, you know, Florida State, you know, they, they have a chance. And then, you know, Wake Forest on the road with that suspect defense that the Deeks have, even though they're tremendous on offense, you know, I, I think I think they'll beat Boston College and I, and I think they find a way to pull off an upset in one of the other games. So I'm seeing seven wins for them with a chance at eight. But uh, any any more than that would be a stretch uh, that that's it's just too difficult of, of a set of games to expect more. Um, you know, hats off to them, though, for getting to five and oh and taking advantage of the early season schedule, which which didn't really look that easy. You know, hosting uh, Louisville was kind of a toss-up game, and then um, Purdue was a tricky game, and Virginia was a, was a toss-up game, and they've taken advantage of the toss-up games, uh, and then you know take care of UConn, and, and they'll take care of Wagner. So you know they've done what they've had to do to get to five and zero and set up a, a monster game with NC State. Definitely, I mean it's you know if they do get to eight, Dan and Jeff, I think that. Dino Babers will get some votes for coach of the year. I think like both of you say, I don't think he's going to get, I think I I would be shocked if he got to eight, but if he was to get to eight, he would get some votes for coach of the year. So I, I just think it's important to shout him out. I think he's done. I think, I think Dino Babers has done a good job and I think he's got himself probably off the hot seat. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's how you, that's how you coach yourself off the hot seat. And going back to the beginning of the podcast, that's how Jeff Collins coached himself into getting fired to start the year. So kind of opposite ends there. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't get a chance to ask you about can of tuna. I, you know, the news happened right before this podcast. <laughs> this happened right before this podcast. Dan, did you see Dan? Did you see Jeff's post? Uh, not a lot of the stuff you post makes me literally laugh out loud, but the can of tuna made me laugh out loud. I, I love the can of tuna. Yeah, my, my crowning blogging moment, and I'll I'll leave this person nameless, but I got a DM from a a media member who 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 follows we, we follow each other, and he 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 tweeted at he DM'd me, and he's like, "That was really cold, but very funny." And I was like, "I'm done. I don't need to blog anything else the rest of the year." <laughs> That was awesome. That was awesome. Well, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come on the show, and we would love to have you come on again sometime, friend. Thanks again for coming on our podcast. You've been a great supporter of our podcast. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great week, guys. Take care. Bye, guys.